Hello again, and welcome to the episode of Ask Me Podcast. I'm Dan Smith, Sustainability and Construction Manager, your host for today. We've traveled southwest of our usual patch and find ourselves in the heart of Bristol and amongst some of the UK's most exciting sustainability-led businesses situated in one of the largest green business networks in UK, FutureLeap, a very fitting name indeed. Our guest today, Managing Director of FutureLeap, Fenner, Director of Partnership and Sustainability, Catherine, and of course, our own Head of Sustainability and now friend of the show, Martin Farhi. Welcome, everybody. So, where do we begin? Fenner, first question for yourself. Um, can you give our listeners a brief insight into FutureLeap, the concepts and the beginnings, and also what part you have to play as, a, as Managing Director? Yeah, thank you. So, FutureLeap's um, Future mission is to support organisations on their transition towards carbon neutrality and mm-hmm. net zero. Um, we do this through uh, showcasing the great work within our network mm-hmm. um, by pro- providing workspace and um, co-working space spaces that people can use. We're based in the office today and I can tell you that it is a thriving community with, with lots of collaboration and a few coffees which is which is great for me being a coffee lover. Um, Catherine, similar question to yourself, what's your goals, what does your week look like as um, sort of partnership and sustainability director? Um, well it, it varies from week to week but um, my role is like you said I'm head of partnerships and sustainability so it might be this sort of meeting where mm-hmm. we're really trying to um, use and amplify our voice mm-hmm. around sustainable business practices um, I'm quite often wheeled out for anything PR related <laughs> <laughs> I was on channel 4 yesterday which oh, is quite wow, exciting really? I know, got national wow. um, and uh, then oversight of the sustainability so um, for example within our hubs we have um, Mitsubishi air source heat pumps the MVHR system we're really trying to showcase what can be done by businesses Mm. to progress in terms of their sustainability so Mm. that's not only in terms of the technology but Mm. also behavior change so we put on weekly events which I chair. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got our big festival of sustainable business. Yeah, which we're going to hear more so, about. So yeah, and then um, we've just gone for B Corp accreditation as well. So we're Excellent. looking at that too. Awesome. So from one head of sustainability um, to our head of sustainability, Mr. <laughs> Martin Farhi, back to back podcast episodes for you. Welcome back. Any news Thank for you. yourself? Well, um, yeah, it, it, it's a very active space as as we've heard. I mean, each week brings something something new uh, to talk about which is why this uh, I think this podcast is getting so much traction really because you you get to go to these you know exciting innovative spaces uh, we're in one as you know in London we were in last week in, a, in another space very similar to this uh, and it's vital because I think the word collaboration has already been used you know we need these spaces of like-minded people to bring that uh, incubation together so that we can all share our knowledge because we're certainly not going to do it alone so uh, I'm really interested to hear more and uh, we were good enough you were good enough to give us a tour mm-hmm. a little bit earlier before this and it's it's a fascinating space full of you know people it's just a real buzz yeah. about it what's going on I think I think sorry to interrupt it's not only the fact that you've got that collaboration mm. and pe- like organizations doing good business with other 
businesses doing good stuff. Mm. Um, but you've also got the fact that if you locate within these business hubs, then you're reducing your carbon footprints yeah, by absolutely. sort of sharing that space. You know, we're low carbon because of the tech that we've put in and everybody else, every other business that comes here yeah. can reduce their carbon footprint absolutely. in effect. That's no, so. a great way of thinking yeah. about it, yeah, to be and in that in that common space and, and bring those things together. Yeah. I, I was I was fascinated to hear about your um uh, I'm I'm stealing your agenda a little bit, but uh, your B Corp journey. Could you share a little bit about that? About yeah. where you are? Yeah, with yeah, that absolutely. Us? So um, we have been meaning to get B Corp accreditation for a long time, actually, mm-hmm. and it's it's been on my to do list for a mm. while. Um, we have our own B Corp consultant here within within um, well, several B Corp consultants within FutureLeap, and so really we sh- we had had to get cracking mm. with it. That was good incentive. So um, one of our B Corp consultants delivers workshops on a weekly basis, and we joined as okay. FutureLeap those B those B Corp workshops and worked worked our way through the process because the process is actually quite long Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of questions to answer Um, there's quite a lot of pulling on sort of your HR expert or your finance expert to be able to answer all those questions so it's quite a collaborative approach really Um, in a nutshell B Corp um, is a really good way of looking at all elements of sustainability when you're looking at sustainability in its widest sense so you're not just thinking about your environmental impact but you're also thinking about your social impact you know and your governance as well so um, some examples really would be things like we've amended our articles haven't we Fenna Um, yeah Um, it's a really holistic uh, accreditation um, that that asks organisations to do a really deep dive into thinking about how they operate at all different levels. Um, Something um, that has been really fun and exciting with the B Corp journey um, and um, interesting and insightful is the sort of need to get your whole team on board. You have to have kind of stakeholder engagement from your board right down to um, any team member and your customers. Um, It's really about looking at all your processes, your procedures, um, and bringing the whole company on that journey. You can't just have a a nominated sort of B Corp representative that's just gonna do it all on their own because that kind of defeats the point a bit. So if one of our customers potentially may be listening or any of our listeners that are going through the, the B Corp accreditation process, what's your top tips? Give us your Fenners and Catherine's <laughs> top tips for, for B Corp accreditation. Something that we found really useful was to set up working groups within okay. our team. So um, because it's such a um, long process and there's, there's a lot to go through, um, it's quite a big undertaking. We asked our team who was interested in helping us with that journey um, and set up working groups across the different themes. Um, B Corp split into five different categories um, in terms of the kinds of questions you answer. Um, So then our team members were collectively able to sort of work work on um, producing some of the documentation or evidence that we've needed 
or holding our senior management to account as well. So, um, <laughs> yeah. That's you in the room, right? That's us in the room, yeah. Self-policing. Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to ask about it because obviously in, in, a, in a similar role to yourself, yeah. you know, that's yeah. something that I would certainly aspire to at a different, you know, we're, we're a completely different business, I suppose. We're a global yeah. business of 150,000 employees yeah. and lots of different manufacturing bases and, and, and all of the impacts and and of course and all of the opportunity that comes yes. with that to do things differently, do things better. Um, so I, I mean we haven't started yet. I'm not sitting here pretending that yeah. we're yeah. anywhere near down the um, down that road, but I was when I heard that yeah. that was something yeah. that you were quite advanced with, I was quite fascinated to hear a bit more. It's absolutely achievable regardless of the size of your organisation. Mm. I think it's probably easier when you're smaller, but mm. it's still very achievable at that at that global organisational mm. sort of scale. Um, so the B Corp... Um, is split into five different categories, one around governance, so you'd be looking at sort of your articles and making sure that the environment and your social impact aligns. Is, is So you're not just looking at profit, you're looking yeah. at your environmental impact alongside yeah. your social impact. They're all given the same level of um, consideration at that governance level. Mm-hmm. You then look at your workers. Okay, how are, how are our workers doing in terms of wages, um, personal development, um, careers, you know, it's it's really sort of wide ranging. Um, Then you look at your community, how does what I do as an organisation impact on my local community? Mm. Then you look at your customers, Mm. how does that impact on my customers and my supply chain? And then... And then the final element, in a way, is the environment. Okay, how do I reduce my environmental impact as an organisation? So it's really wide-ranging, which is why it takes a long time, you know? And... um, but I think once you've got through the process, it's something that you can then use as your sort of um, almost like an improvement plan. Yeah. You know, year on your year, you want to be um, improving your score. Yeah. So you need to mm-hmm. score um, 80 out of a possible 200 to get B Corp accreditation. Okay. So, um, and then the, the expectation is that you improve year on year on that. Yeah. You get audited every three years. You, you sort of do a self-assessment in between those years. So, mm. yeah. Yes, I, it's, think one, it's I think one of the areas I find fascinating in that is, is, is using your, I, I call it a sphere of influence, because we, again, whether it's a small one or a large one, we do have, a, yeah. you know, the power, the to do to choose to do things in a certain way or a, at a certain pace yeah. that's within our power to yeah. do that um, we we our sphere of influence spreads out upstream and downstream yes. you know because yeah. we're buying a lot and yeah. we're hopefully selling a lot and influencing and, and, and down and where I sit in in from a UK and Ireland perspective we spent a lot of time trying to push that influence out further and what you've got with this, uh, an opportunity, having seen what I've seen here today with this sort of, I call it an incubator space, but you may, you may call it uh, something different, you know, you've got that opportunity to influence wider, haven't you, within yes. that scope. Yeah. So, so um, relating all that, all, you know, good luck with it. I mean, I think it's fascinating. We're a long way off it, so uh, yeah, yeah. I shall keep an eye on yeah. Yeah, <laughs> your, your progress. Yeah. <laughs> Relating that to, to the built environment and, and the space that we sort of work in, 
this B Corp accreditation, what what's the advantage if we've got again customers listening to, to the podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the, what is, what's the commercial advantage yeah. of being B Corp? You know, I, I get it from a perspective of yeah, we're B Corp. It's great. We're looking at the holistic side of sustainability. Absolutely, all for mm-hmm. that. And I think within the sustainability community, we're sometimes a bit guilty of sounding off in this echo chamber. Yeah. Not necessarily everybody understands what the advantage of being Corp, being being B Corp is. Yes. That's a mouthful, yeah. but. Give a flavour of what that's done for you as a business in terms of from a commercial perspective. From a commercial perspective. So um, it's it's anecdotal, I guess, but mm. I'm hearing more and more from our community mm. that those who've already got B Corp accreditation are looking for to do business with others who've got B Corp accreditation and then it just snowballs doesn't it so we're hearing this a lot and we're like okay we need to get on this from not just from because it's the right thing to do sort of perspective but also from a business perspective we need to be making sure that we're ahead of that and you know we we are accountable really so we um we were sort of discussing yesterday amongst our team um, about the impact that businesses can have um, through working with their supply chain as well. Um, and this is something that B Corp highlights is, um, you know, the need to be very mindful and ethical in your procurement, um, but also holding your suppliers to account as well um and if we're gonna collectively reach net zero um we we need to be influencing the organizations that we work with to be looking at their sustainability reducing their carbon emissions and um doing that together um so futurely offers uh, consultancy services to organisations and one of our kind of main um, pieces of work that we often do for businesses is around carbon footprinting mm-hmm. um, a measurement and then providing carbon reduction plans mm-hmm. um, towards carbon neutrality and also net zero which yeah. are obviously sort of two different things yeah. but can sometimes get um you know, those words can get used interchangeably, yeah. sometimes, you know, mistakenly. Um, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I, I've been thinking um, uh, lately about this and, and, and some of the bigger corporates that we deal with in, in a, and a wide range of uh, uh, solutions that we offer to many different markets. I've seen the language of carbon neutrality mm. coming in um, and working alongside the language of carbon of net zero. Mm-hmm. Now we know they're different. Um, I wouldn't necessarily think that your average person, in, man or woman in the street, would necessarily define the difference. Why should they necessarily? But there is a difference. We know that. We know that there's a technical difference. But I, I, I think where my mind is with it is, is that carbon neutrality is is something that we can work with on the road to net zero, ultimately to where net zero is going to be. So we know where we need to be, net zero by latest, by mid-century. But carbon neutrality, we can deliver that today. We're already, we're measuring our impacts, we're understanding that. So we should perhaps be looking to be neutral where we can be on that longer road. What's what's your thoughts on that? 
completely agree. And in actual fact, wouldn't it be amazing if every organisation was made to be carbon neutral? Mm. Because that would be a great incentive to get yeah. to net zero, Absolutely. you know? Because yeah. when you're carbon neutral, in effect, you're just paying offsets. Yes. Um, you know, you're, you're not necessarily having to reduce your carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if every business was having to pay offsets every year... Mm. Well, surely they would then invest in energy efficiency because that makes a lot more business sense, doesn't it? So if we had that as a law, (laughs) how amazing would that be, Mm. you know, that that we could really push things forward fast in that way so I mean, you mentioned law and things like that i mean your your local mp yeah is none other than chris skidmore of course right. who's got yeah. you know uh, has just recently issued a, a report on this yeah. and looks very much at this road to net zero through the lens of the opportunity that it creates that's right and how much how many job opportunities can be created out of it it's um yeah, it's very much an opportunity. Mm. I think we mustn't shy away from the fact that we are facing, you know, a climate and ecological emergency and we have to sort Absolutely, of yeah. stress that as well. But there's a huge amount of sort of business opportunity associated with sustainability mm. too. So mm. it's a win-win. <laughs> I want to talk about the, the impact of, of office space and, and particularly the impact of, of a sustainable office space. I was having a conversation recently that... Um, for a real estate owner that you know for every one sustainable building there's there's five clients biting at their hand to, to get into that space from your perspective and, and behind me is a, is a plethora of different companies working alongside each other and on your website you talk about collaboration innovation and that drive towards a better future how are you guys facilitating that and, and what's the importance of of this office space and being a particularly sustainable office space Ah. Uh... It's a hard question, sorry, it's about three <laughs> questions in one. Let's start with the sustainable office space. What does it mean to be a sustainable office space and the sort of incentive that is to your community? Um, so our office space is mm. attracting a lot of community members mm. that do resonate with um, with that, yeah, that ethic, message, yeah. um, with that message. Um, so we're really proud and passionate about mm. having created a office space that is carbon neutral and has sustainability embedded in the organization operations and structure but also um, the physical space as well um, um, so having an office space that is off gas um, using low carbon heating technology such as the um, air source heat pumps that yeah. are, you know the Mitsubishi yeah. brand um, this combination of our mission and the um, the actual um, you know genuine tangible um, things that we've done to the building to, to make it more sustainable um, really give our community confidence that and um, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry uh, th- th- and then to sort of add to that we try to facilitate as much collaboration as possible Mm -hmm. so for our co-workers all of them are automatically made members of our business network so that means that then they can come to our weekly events on different sustainability topics for free and is that that well attended really well attended yeah yeah yeah. so um we've got 
you know, and then, and like we were saying about yeah. B Corp, really, it mm. then just snowballs, you yeah. know. So anybody can come to our weekly events. Um, it's absolutely fine, whether you're a business or not. Anybody who wants to engage in sustainability, come along. But it, its purpose, really, is to help businesses to think about how they might be able to do business better. Um, and... Um, and, it, and there's always a lot of space for networking within those mm-hmm. um, within those events as well. So we're really trying to sort of create this space um, where businesses can sort of think about doing things a little bit differently. Awesome. And I, yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like the, we know the demands there. And, and so are you looking to create more spaces or a bigger space? Here? You we, know, what, what does the future look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we've sort of proven that it works you know in Bristol and now we're looking we're looking beyond Bristol so um yeah Future Leap is currently um exploring opportunities in other cities and other locations um we're fundraising and um looking to work with other organizations in other places as well because our our business and our mission is also you know very collaborative Mm -hmm. um there's a huge amount to do to um improve sustainability Mm -hmm. um globally and you know within the uk so you know we do all need to work together um we saw we saw a huge growth in in the office space actually you know there was obviously a big decline 22 Mm percent in in 2020 um due to the c-bomb um, and, then, and then we saw, in fact, 27% jump in starts during 2021. Um, the sector grew by another 4% in 22, and even further growth for 5% in 23. So, so the op- appetite for that collaborative space is, is definitely still out there. And I think yeah. if you're in the Bristol area, definitely pop down and learn about sustainability oh, within, within the future yeah. LAPE offices. I, I definitely recommend that to anyone listening in to the podcast. Um, Moving slightly on to now, I guess the, the bigger picture, we're here in Bristol, um, 2015 Bristol becomes the first European green capital, 2018 Bristol City Council first declares a climate emergency um, and I believe they're aiming for uh, to be cli- carbon neutral and climate resilient by 2030. Um, you're very much involved in, in the Bristol City One plan or Bristol One City plan, should I say. Can you give our listeners a bit of a flavour about what, what, that's, what that's about and the aspirations yeah, yeah, of the city? absolutely. I think we're quite a, quite a unique city really we're really sort of pushing forwards as fast as we possibly can probably still not as fast as we should but um you know doing doing a lot so um like you said we were green capital back Mm. in 2015 uh future leap's been around since 2005 so very early adopters in terms of sort of thinking about sustainable business practices but um, I remember being in the council chambers when um, it was an overwhelming unanimous vote for decla- declaration of a climate emergency back in 2018. Shed a little tear <laughs> about that because it felt like such an amazing it's a big win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To, and to be there to experience it. We were the first 
in not only just in the UK but in Europe to declare mm. a climate mm. emergency. So that was wow. huge. Really Out of that then came um, the establishment of the One City Environment Board and um, we applied to be part of the Environment Board and were accepted. So now I'm absolutely chuffed that we're able to represent our business community on that board. Um, so we meet on a quarterly basis. The um, Environment Board, um, with support from the um, Climate Change Committee, Bristol's mm -hmm. Advisory Climate Change Committee, um, created the One City um, Climate Emergency Strategy <laughs> and also then a few months later the Ecological Emergency Strategy. Yeah, yeah. And we're now at a point where we've got... Uh, we're working our way through the deliverables within that strategy. So there's various different targets set between now and 2030 mm. and beyond. Mm, yeah. And sort of um, what can we do? Not just what can the council do. It's a very, again, very collaborative approach. What can we all do as a, as a city mm. to work towards this sort of green, mm. resilient um, Bristol? So one of the um, targets was, for example, for... Um, the city to hold an award ceremony celebrating those those businesses that are really doing pushing things forward sustainability wise and so I sort of offered Future Leap to deliver that so mm. there's sort of that sense of okay who can take what elements to deliver yeah. against this sort of aspiration to be um, carbon neutral by 2030 so we hold that in November of each year and it's really again just pushing forwards and that's part of our festival of sustainable business yeah that's yeah. a nice segue actually uh, <laughs> it's almost like I've asked you to say that but I haven't so the festival of sustainable business talk to us about that what does that mean I mean it's a great great brand great name um, I think it is probably exactly what it says on the tin I've had in the festival of celebrating sustainable business but businesses perhaps but what does that look like from your perspective, Fenna? Yeah, absolutely a celebration of the fantastic work that is being done and also a chance to reflect on what more needs to be done. Um, so our festival is split across the year into three key events. Um, we have our annual conference, so a series of five seminar themes um, over a really long day actually yeah. <laughs> um, but that's um, a chance to um, for some excellent speakers to kind of get up there and talk talk to the audience about these different themes relating to sustainability and kind of provoke discussion and conversation um, then the second part of the festival series is um, our exhibition um, so that will see a variety of exhibitors um, doing good work in, in the sustainability sector, showcasing their, their brands, their, their businesses and services, um, again, with the opportunity for networking and um, and a talk stage. Sounds like a, a cracking event and looking forward to um, you guys hosting an event tonight, right? Yes, we've got a dinner and drinks event tonight, so a very informal one for our co-workers and um, just just an opportunity to get to meet new people, really. Yeah. But the first part of the festival starts next Thursday, next so Thursday. Um, it was sort of all hands on deck, really, to 
to get that sort of ship shape ready for next Thursday. Awesome. So come along if you Absolutely. if you're about. Well, thank you. Yeah, we'll share that information as well. The public part of that for you as well. Yeah, thank you. Immediately well, after that as well, um, just you know to keep our workloads nice and yeah. high, um, we're hosting um, the City Leap launch. So um, that's yes. Bristol's. Um, it's in the diary. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. Be so, yeah, um, our events team is kind of supporting with um, yeah, with the organisation of that launch event. Um, and date and time, just in case anyone is listening from the Bristol area that wants to pop down. If you can remember it off the top of your head, if not, we'll uh, maybe put it in the link in the bio or something along those lines. The City Leap launch is um, more invite only. Right. Okay. Um, but then there's a series of roadshows um, throughout... April and May. Mm-hmm. I don't have the dates and times <laughs> off the top of my head. Watch this space, um, basically. Yeah, watch, watch this space. space. Yeah, awesome. it's just sort of there's a capacity issue with the launch. So, uh, sure. so yeah, you're on the list. I'm so I don't know if you guys know about sort of what City Leaf is about, but it's absolutely huge for the city. Um, it's the biggest thing that's ever happened yeah. in terms of sustainability. Yeah. It's a public private partnership between Bristol City Council, Amoresco, and Vattenfall, bringing a billion pounds worth of investment over the next 20 years into city into the city around sort of decarbonisation. So they're looking to extend the heat networks that are mm-hmm. already in place. They're looking to retrofit a lot of the um, built environment within yeah. the city. So it Hot is topic. such an exciting thing to be a part yeah. of. It's incredible. Well, I was going to ask, because uh, we mentioned earlier on uh, about you being uh, the city being really early with declaring an emergency yeah. And, yeah. and that sort of thing. And also, this goes all the way through then from, you know, very top level county hall through business through to the citizens of yeah. Bristol and the surrounding area. Yeah. I just wonder. I mean, how do you how do you bottle that? You know, what's what's happening here? What's the yeah. That, yeah, that's taking that forward because well, you know it, it's one exciting thing after another thing, and you're pushing seem to be yes. pushing each other and wanting to make a positive difference. You know? That is the case, but I'm going to maybe be a bit provocative and say we could like we can't be complacent. We mm. we you know. We hear it a lot, you know, that everybody's on board, you know, because that's what we're surrounding ourselves with here within this hub. But actually, there's a huge amount of the general public who are not thinking about what they're, you know. And and so I think there needs to be an enormous public engagement campaign. I mean, that's partly what City Leap is doing with this series of roadshows, is to try and ensure that it's as inclusive a transition as possible. So getting out to um, those communities that might not be engaged at the moment, who might not be sort of um, working within the sustainability mm. world so yeah so a little provocation there that yeah, you know that, uh, yes that Bristol's fair, doing fair good challenge. stuff course, yeah. but how actually we, yeah we the, need to how do we to take do everyone with us and how do we make this a, a fair transition yeah yeah course, yeah you know. and the other thing is great you know a billion pounds worth of investment into the city but actually a city of this size mm. needs 10 billion pounds worth of investment mm. around decarbonisation so yeah. it's just a tenth yeah, <laughs> you know we've still got a huge way to go no, we still need to attract a huge amount more investment into decarbonisation to be mm. able to achieve what we want to around yeah. sort of this 2030 we, goal. Yeah, we, we often talk about 2050 as a destination without a roadmap, Martin, by you, that's your, your phrase, but having had this conversation and listening to the things about you know the One City launch, 
it sounds like you know Bristol, the Southwest, Future Leap. You guys have almost got your you got we know the destination, but you've, and you've got your roadmap. By the sounds of it, you know, which is a great step in the right direction. Yes, we can always do more, and as you said, there's always need for more funding, etc. But for me, the most important thing is is you know little less conversation, little more action. Yeah, uh-huh. And you guys have got got the action from a Future Leap perspective, and obviously from from this one um one city one city perspective. Yeah. Just just lastly, then this wouldn't be the ask me ask Mitsubishi Electric podcast without asking their question right um how has Mitsubishi Electric assisted with your growth and, and you know the, the innovation space and the collaboration space here we're sat in the office and I can see uh, what it looks like R32 VRF um and it looks like there's also some mechanical uh, ventilation Lozda units providing fresh air um what yeah. else tell us about you know how we've assisted So um, I believe that this hub was the first in the UK to have this particular R32 um, installation. And when when this property was taken on by FutureLeap and was going through the kind of retrofit to turn it into a co-working space, um, it, it was really important to our founder and and owner of the business that um that we didn't kind of scrim on Mm. low carbon tech that we did it properly and thoroughly um so having um having the air source heating system Mm -hmm. here um is wonderful because um sort of in line with your branding right you know your b corp and, yep. yeah. and everything so it's, it's all genuine you know it's not sort of um as you said yeah. you're not scrimping on any of the options and, it's and all it, part of the, it the works you know brand. this yeah. a slightly challenging building maybe mm-hmm. for um you know we mm. have a massive expanse of window sort yeah. of um, shop front yeah. window in effect out, yeah. out the front but it is still really comfortable within yeah, the insane. co-working I mean, I mean, space. spent the afternoon here and you've been good enough to show us around and, and, and talk to some of the other people who are using the space. It has certainly got some challenges um, to the space but you, you also demonstrate here what can be done with these sorts of spaces. Yes. You know it's an existing space and therefore it, it, it comes with just what it comes with, yeah. you know, yeah. from square meterage, from glazing, from the way that it's pointing which part of yeah. the uh, north, south, east and west. It's yeah. possible. Yeah. It, it, you know, this is a, you know, it's a comfortable, well-lit, well-ventilated, yeah. you know, pleasant place to be. And you've taken that existing space and, and modified yeah. it and turned it into something else. And when we were... F- First, fitting this space out, uh, we didn't know that COVID was around the corner, but um, then it was here. And an added benefit that we couldn't have planned for was the fact that people can be in this space with confidence that they've got this sort of fresh air coming in and the sort of stale air being taken out of the space, you know? So there's a health aspect that you know maybe wasn't as important yeah. when we were first installing it but it's really important for people yeah. now indoor air quality right it's the hot topic it's probably another podcast that we could talk about yeah indoor air quality is something people are now really engaging yeah. with which they never were yeah. before mm-hmm. why would they i suppose mm-hmm. no it, you're quite right it was huge for us launching a co we actually launched our co-working space mm-hmm. sort of mid 
mid-pandemic and that was a super challenging time to try and you know create a physical space where you want as many people to be kind of in there collaborating (laughs) as possible um so to be able to promote to our customers that we have the the lossane that cleans the air and and changes um brings in the fresh air um was really really important at that time and still is Good to hear. Well, the podcast is never about really promoting, you know, Mitsubishi Electric products. <laughs> We're here to do promoting your story. And thank you so much for your time today. It's been a really great afternoon here at the Future Leap offices. I would ask our listeners, as always, to comment, like, share, subscribe um, for, for future episodes. But for now, Fenner, Catherine, thank you so much. Martin, as always, thank you. Thank you. I'm Dan Smith. I've been your host for today. And we look forward to uh, chatting with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.